Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. So as we enter into this new series here, Church Made for More, we're looking at what does it mean to be part of this community, and that certainly we are made for more than this building, right? And last week, we got to see that what we were looking at was the story that the disciples are living into, and that story in light of who they, in light of that story, looking at who they are and how they're going to live, well, that's today in community. And the beautiful thing about this story is that we get to see the church being born in the book of Acts. That's what this entire thing is about. So if you want to, I think it would be really, really helpful for you to catch up on seeing the through line of the series. Go back, if you didn't hear last week, go back and listen to the podcast of last week's sermon. And then you'll get to hear today's and you'll get to see the, the beautiful through line of how Jesus is changing the lives of the people, of the disciples in the book of Acts. Let me pray for us here as we dive in. Jesus, we are here and we are present with you. Let us receive your word. Let us receive very graciously the change that you are calling for our hearts. That we would not cast judgment on ourselves, but that we would receive grace. Open our hearts to be challenged. And allow us to sit here in, in, in your presence, to be present. To eliminate distractions in our mind, thinking about what's happening next or or the plans that we have next, but to be here right now in this moment, to be present for your word. In your name we pray, amen. So just a quick recap of the story that we just heard. Peter and John are two disciples that followed Jesus around. They were part of the 12 that got to walk around the city with Jesus. They got to see people healed. They got to see demons driven out. They got to see feeding the 5,000 and like extra baskets of bread left over. So they got to see some really powerful stuff. And here they are being arrested uh, for telling about and describing those very things. They actually healed a man who had been, had lame legs for the past 40 years. And then the Pharisees were like, mm, I don't know about that. You're, you're proclaiming Jesus, the man that uh, we just got rid of and caused a lot of trouble. Now you're the ones causing trouble? All right, come here, we're, we gotta arrest you guys. But they also couldn't, they couldn't prosecute them. They had, not, they had nothing, because what happened was true. Like a guy who couldn't walk now can walk. And so they didn't know what to do, and so they end up releasing them. And, and what we see here in the very beginning of the verse is that they went, Peter and John, the disciples, went back to their people went back to the community. And the first thing that they did was that they prayed. The first thing they did together was they prayed. And then we see here that the end of the prayer, at the end of the prayer, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And the place shook. What is it like when at the end of Sony's prayers when the buildings start shaking? <laughs> you know, we think something's wrong. What if something was so right that it was started, started shaking? And that the, the, we end this story with, and they shared all their stuff with incredible generosity. 
that from time to time they sold houses and land and brought the sales, the profit of the sales, to the feet of the disciples. What a lot just happened in that story. Arrested, returning to the people, selling this stuff, and living in this like really, really tight-knit community where it's not about me, but it's about us. That is really challenging. It's not about me, it's about us. Because what if I make more money than so-and-so's contributing? Do I get to draw more out? That's very me-focused. They had a very us-center focus. And so we get, to, we get to look at that today. What does it mean to live knowing the story of Jesus, knowing the resurrection story of Jesus, the disciples know this, are now living in light of that? What does that look like? It looks like community. So th these are the focuses of each week that we're going to go through that we're going to look at. What we looked at last week was the story. The disciples are living into this new story. Today, we're looking at the disciples living into this new community. And then these next three will be what we go through next. Jesus at the center of each one of these. Now, you can put something else at the center and your life looks much different. If you won the lottery, your, your community is going to look a lot different if you won the lottery. And that's the center of your life, right? You're going to make a lot new friends, a lot more new friends. Uh, or, or maybe more commonly, putting our job at the center. If we put our job at the center of each one of these, it changes how we live and how we act. And so what, what Jesus is calling us to, and what we see here in the book of Acts, is that Jesus is the center of each one of these. That Jesus is in the middle of each one of these, and it changes the way they, they live with each other. It, it, it encourages them to sell all their stuff and give it to one another. That is a really bold, different community. Something else that's really beautiful here in the text is that we get to see that in their prayers, they quote Genesis 1, where Peter says, you have made the heavens and the earth and everything in them. If you're with us in the Genesis series, you got to see that. In the very beginning, God speaks and life is created. And they also, get to, they also quote Psalm 2. This is them quoting ancient songs that they have sung over and over and over again that they are repeating to themselves now because they re realize and get to see God is faithful no matter what. What does this mean? That they know God. They know Jesus. Way more than just the intellectual knowledge. Oftentimes we can get stuck on we have the intellectual knowledge of who is God. I've memorized the Bible verses. I know the stories. I could, I could probably teach Sunday school because I know the information. But the disciples are experiencing a much different knowing. The experiential. The relational. That they get to walk with Jesus. They get to laugh with Jesus. They get to hang out with him in a way that was much, much more intricate. They know Jesus. And so when they pray these prayers... It's really powerful because it's coming from an experience, not just repeated knowledge. I, I love that we get to see that. And then this really, really powerful line, is, it starts in verse 31. The grace of God was so powerfully at work in them. The grace of God was so powerfully at work in them all. And that we could probably get to ask the same question, is the grace of God powerfully at work in me? And maybe the easiest way to understand that is to look for it, how you've received it. How you've received the grace of God powerfully in the work of somebody else. That maybe becomes easier to see is the grace of God powerfully at work in me. And that what we get to see is that we, the grace of God is powerfully at work in Peter because Peter has this life transformation 
that we get to read about in the Bible, we don't get to see this with all the disciples, but we do get to see it with Peter, that he is called by Jesus, he's fishing for fish, and he, he's bad at it, and then Jesus tells him, hey, throw your net over on that side of the boat, and he pulls up so many that the boat starts to sink. And then he rec- G- uh, Peter recognizes, oh, Jesus is, is God, Jesus is the Messiah. And he falls down at his feet and says, I will follow you. And Jesus says, that's great, because I'm going to make you fisher, not of fish, but of fisher of men. And what we can imagine, based on Peter's actions later in the Bible, is that he goes, that's awesome. What does it mean? (laughs) And then he clearly doesn't get it, based on his other actions. But Jesus calls him to a new identity, not to be a fisher of fish, but a fisher of men. Then three years goes by as Peter is intimately knowing Jesus, and then we get to the cross, where where Peter denies Jesus three times. Because it's threatening, it's threatening to his life that, that Jesus is here, the wanted man, that the crowd is against him, the Pharisees are against him. If Peter is associated with Jesus, maybe he'll also go to jail. Maybe he'll also get killed. And so Peter slowly starts to create some distance. Jesus, Peter denies Jesus three times. The resurrection happens. And then Jesus meets Peter on the shore as Peter has returned to his old identity. Peter has returned to fishing. Jesus didn't call him to be a fisherman. He called him to be a fisher of men. And here we see that Peter is returning to his old identity Jesus is waiting on the shore. Peter sees this and out of excitement, jumps out of the boat, doesn't even row to the shore. He swims to the shore. And Jesus greets him there with a meal. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And I've got to imagine that that stung. Because Peter followed Jesus around and clearly loved him. And here Jesus is asking him, do you love me? doesn't ask him once. He asks him three times. And very likely, as Peter denied him three times, he gets to say, I love you three times. And he gets to be restored. And then here we have another moment where Peter is very openly declaring that Jesus is Lord, and he gets arrested for it. And they say, can you stop doing that? And his answer is, No. How beautiful is that transformation that we get to see in Peter's life, that we get to see in our own lives? That we get to to receive that same grace that Peter received of denial of Jesus, returning to old identity, that we are called into our new identity, and we get to receive that same new grace for ourselves, that Jesus offers that same thing for us. The upside-down part of the gospel, and this is so powerful here, the upside-down part of the gospel is that Peter and John are taken to the temple, the one place that God no longer is, because his Holy Spirit now rests on people, and when they return to the community, when they return to people, the one place that God's presence was always meant to rest. They are taken to the place that they believe that God only exists But the Holy Spirit has come to rest on each one of them to say, God is not here in this temple. God is now in us. 
God is now in us. So where do we, so then what do we do with that? We then take the Holy Spirit to other people. And we can do that when the grace of God is powerfully at work in us, at verse 31, when the grace of God is powerfully at work in us, we can take him to other people. How? Phil's friends. That we can love other people that we've never met, that we can give graciously of ourselves to people we've never met, but we know that they're in need. Need to feed. The grace of God is powerfully at work in us when we say, I know there's a problem with food scarcity, but I would like to show up and do something about it. I can't solve everything, but I'm going to show up and do something for one person, for two people, that my life is going to be an offering to other people. How powerful is that? I'm sure you can think of the same thing when it's been done to you. When you didn't deserve it, someone offered you forgiveness. When you didn't deserve it, someone showed up, someone showed up at your house and, and gave you something. The grace of God powerfully at work. I love, I love that verse. Okay, so then what does this look like to, to live this out? When I, think about the, when I think about the clarity of the Bible, it doesn't always offer it. And so when I see something like this, they sold all their stuff and they lived in community, I go, clarity, this is what, this is what life is meant to look like. And instead, this is more descriptive than it is prescriptive. This is not telling us the book of Acts. This is how now, Trinity Galewood, you are supposed to be as a church, but instead, as a response to God's goodness and grace, this is how they responded. And it looked like total graciousness. So one of the things that we can look at right now is be reminded, the Bible is not written uh, to us, but it is written for us, and that this is a description, not a prescription. Okay, so that's number one. Something else that was also really helpful is that being able to look at the, the response that they have to Jesus is generosity. It's not the place that they started. It's, it's the effect of the cause. Jesus being the cause. And that the response of that is this like spontaneity of sharing of everything. And it's not just their, it's not just their stuff. They are proclaiming very boldly the words of Jesus. They are proclaiming very boldly the actions of Jesus. That they are being generous with, with the grace that they've received and offering it to other people. And so I think this, what does it look like? It's this invitation to generosity. That Jesus is calling us to be generous with who we are as people. That we, that we would give away ourselves and that it would, when they share all their stuff, it's not mandated. They're not being told, come and bring your things here. It is out of their own abundance. That's not true. It is out of their, their own generosity because they did not have a lot. To follow Jesus at this time was to be persecuted. And so maybe really the sharing of stuff was because they recognized oh, we're not doing so hot individually. Let's find each other. And this is like if you look at who becomes Navy SEALs, it's not the people who are like the big, big, strong guys with the tattoos or like the leaders of the football team. Like that's not who becomes the best of the best Navy SEALs. It, like the one marker that they can track to go who's going to make it is when you are in the midst of your own suffering and your own, like, I can't go one more inch, and you see someone in need, and you reach out to help them. 
That's the marker. Uh, it's giving, it's generosity, it's you over me. And that's what we get to see here described so long ago in the book of Acts, is that they're being persecuted for the way that they follow Jesus, and most likely they can, they're getting like shut out of the marketplace, they're not making as much money, or they're not getting jobs because of the way that they follow. And so then in their own depravity, they see someone else and go, I'm going to serve you. That's powerful. That's what it means to follow Jesus. An invitation to generosity, not something that's mandated. And then finally here, we get to see a lot of plural language in this, in this passage. And that we see here at the very, very beginning, and they return to their people. Peter and John leave being arrested and go to a community that already existed. And that they get to express Jesus together and receive Jesus together. And, and Adam said this really well. In the pandemic, the social distancing was like, sure, I'll do this for today, but not tomorrow. This is hard. The lockdown, do you remember that? Like, it said two weeks, don't go visit people. I was like, I could do that. I did it for a day. And Justin called me out on it so fast. I'm like, come on, man. It was so difficult, the social distancing. And then we ended up finding ways to get around that through like Zoom community, but you could still feel it. You could still feel the challenge of it, that, that we are designed for and built for a community. And I think this is why we do small groups as a church, that we come together here as a large group. And then we also, and you, you feel this like in your regular life, like you have five or six really close friends these are the people that you text the most often. These are the people that you are getting together with regularly. This is how we grow as people. And that this is how we grow in our faith together as a church. This is why we do small groups. That you come here together, and that we would also, during the week, have a smaller group of people that we're growing together with, that we're having conversation with, that we're sharing our prayer requests with. That, that small groups is the way that we want to grow in our faith together, because there's just greater ability to express who we are and, and be received by other people. And so we look at what does it mean to grow in community together. If you're someone who likes to, to highlight or underline in your Bible, I would, I, I would mark this up here. This is uh, verse 31, verse 33. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. And that when we look at the generosity of what it means to share, to, to share and witness to who Jesus is, that is really scary. And it might be even very difficult to know what to say. And that, and that the first place you might start is recognizing, instead of what can I share with someone else, but instead say, what has Jesus given to me? And that if you start there, then you could end up sharing Jesus much more easily with someone else. But if you start here, what has Jesus offered to me? Then it makes it much easier to be generous with your witness. That God's grace is so powerfully at work in me. How have I seen that? Where have I witnessed that? Where have I felt that? How has God's grace been powerfully at work in me? And that's something that you could journal about for an hour or two and, and be like at the starting point, not at the finish line, but at the starting line. How has God's grace been powerfully at work in me? And one of the ways that we get to see how God's grace is powerfully at work in us is through his life, death, and resurrection. 
that God's grace is powerful enough that he comes to us, that Jesus comes to us, that he lives among us and says, I want to be with you and I offer myself to you. Communion, body and blood, I offer myself to you. And then on the resurrection, he, he doesn't uh, just kind of wave to Peter on the shoreline, but he sits with him. And, and just got to have been some tears as Peter realizes and admits the shame and the guilt that he is feeling. And Jesus offers restoration. That Jesus offers the same restoration to us today. And that we get to respond to that each week as we, as we take communion together. Let me pray for us here as we continue in our worship. Holy Spirit, we pray for the grace of God to be powerfully at work in us. To be generous with our stuff. To be generous with our words. It is easy, it is easy to hold tightly to things like our money. To give us a posture to let go. Give us a posture to bless others. Your words are life. You speak and we are created. Allow the same life to move through us, to other people, to offer generous words of affirmation, to be present with people who are hurting, and then to receive. When we are hurting, to receive the generous words of others, the presence of others. Let your words be life for us and for others. We want to respond to your love to live a life where your grace is powerfully at work. Amen.